Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome to our show today our guest, John Harnish, CFA, Portfolio Manager for Shelton Capital Management. They are a family of mutual funds. He speaks to us from his offices there in Greenwich, Connecticut. John, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Well, thank you very much for having me, guys. I really appreciate the time to, to talk about uh, you know our portfolios and what we're trying to achieve over here. Okay, so John, uh, you came out of uh, Fargo, North Dakota to go to Trinity College to play tennis. Uh, yeah. You went then uh, directly afterwards into the investment management world, and now you manage the Shelton Tactical Credit Fund, and you've been a CFA for 12 years here. So uh, give us a little background of yours, will you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, after you know graduating from Trinity College, um, I started my career at what was then called Babson Capital Management. Um, that was the firm that was the institutional asset manager for Mass Mutual Financial Group. Um, the company is now called Bearings. Um, so I started out in structured credit, basically analyzing internally managed CDOs. We were a very large uh, structured credit manager. Um, I did that for about 15, 16 months um, and decided I wanted again to, you know, really kind of the nuts and bolts on the research side. Um, so I transitioned from the structured credit team into high yield research um, where we covered a variety of strategies, um, call it mutual funds, absolute return product, structured credit product, and helping to manage Mass Mutual's uh, general investment account. Uh, so I was there a few years, I uh, became the senior analyst covering about a billion, billion and a half dollars of, of man assets managed under my name that I was responsible for. Um, and then I decided, you know what, I, I want to kind of go out there and, and take a little risk. Um, you know, it was kind of a, a interesting time where I started taking this risk. This is in 07. And there was a hedge fund looking for basically a, a generalist analyst to help out on the convertible arbitrage arena in addition to helping out with their, their trading of their credit default swaps. And, um, you know, I, I knew somebody that worked there, and uh, I was given the opportunity, and I, I made the, the move down here. The, the firm was down in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, so I basically helped, like I said, in the research side, I managed a, a credit default swap book of about $500 million on both the long and the short side. Um, so we were really taking, you know, some fairly large bets. We were about a billion-dollar firm. Um, and as you know, you know, the convertible bond market exploded in, in 2008. Um, that was probably the worst performing asset class with, you know, any anyway, uh, managers down anywhere from 35 to 75% across the board. It really didn't matter how de-risked you were. It was basically um, leverage was taken out of the system immediately and, and convertibles were a, a leveraged product. Um, I, I remember it well, uh, John, believe yeah, me. Yeah, I, I remember it too well, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I got some really good stories, which we can get into in a bit. But um, so we kind of decided at the, at the firm, you know, we had to make some changes. And my background was clearly in high yield bank debt, uh, investment grade. Uh, but really, my expertise was was in the high yield side of the ledger. Um, and we said, you know what, this this is a more liquid market. There's there's more things to do. It's, it's healthier, even though we are still in the credit crisis. Um, and my bosses said, do you want to start a, a credit? hedge fund. You know, you're going to run it um, aside from the convertible hedge fund. 
Um, so I started a fund, um, and it was a strategy that was managed sort of like this strategy that we're running right now, which we're going to talk about. But it was more of a levered strategy, um, more larger bets, um, more trading. Um, so I started doing that, and along the way, uh, two other asset management firms came to us and said, would you like to run 40 act mutual fund money for us in the high yield space? So I took that endeavor on as well. Um, so I was managing two other mutual funds in addition to managing the, the, the high yield fund. And then this opportunity came around in 2014 where they'd seen that we had um, some really good success managing you know, high yield assets in, in the mutual fund vehicles, which again are daily liquidity without the use of leverage. Um, we, we talked to them and they said, hey, John, would you like to, to run this type of portfolio? So we started in, in December of 2014 with about $4 million. I mean, it was, it was teeny. Um, and we were able to kind of piggyback off you know, our relationships and all that with, with our other high yield um, investments. So we, we had some really good success to start. Um, and the fund grew uh, substantially in the first six months. We raised about $50 million of assets. Um, and then the firm that was kind of the advisor, we were the sub-advisor, uh, got into financial difficulty. Um, and we had to basically make a move uh, with respect to the portfolio. And that's, that's really how I ended up at Shelton. Um, Shelton wanted to take us on, and they did. Um, so I've been running this strategy, you know, contiguously in this vehicle since December of 14, but really a, a high yield PM since uh, call of 2009. So, so John, uh, you used a couple of words. I'd like to take a little sidetrack here, but we need to make it quick so we have plenty of time for our interview today to, to focus on your tactical credit fund here. But uh, you, you, you gave the term CDO and yep. swap, which basically uh, were, and for many people still are, Four-letter words, okay? So in 30 seconds, what do you see from the 2008 credit crisis from the inside that the rest of us haven't seen and really don't understand? Well, I'd say, you know, to be quick uh, with this answer, uh, the credit defaults, I mean, the, the CDO market or collateralized debt obligation market is a very opaque, very, very leveraged product. Um, that all the, the, the CDOs or those instruments that have been issued by the banks, they basically ho own all the same collateral inside of the vehicle. So when one CDO gets into trouble, they basically all get into trouble. And that was, that was basically what happened and why the crisis started. On the swap market, swaps were not regulated um, back in 2008 like they are now. Um, so there was a lot of counterparty risk. So if you had a swap on with, with Lehman Brothers, you, you were basically buying their credit in addition to the credit that you were buying. So when the CDOs blew up, then the swaps blew up, and then, you know, everything kind of fell, you know, into the, you know, pile. And that's, that's really how the crisis started. And, you know, from the outside, you know, if you're not in the finance business, it, you just don't really kind of see the, the underpinnings of, of how these vehicles were kind of intertwined. You know, I, I can appreciate that last comment because we've had a couple of interviews specifically on the credit crisis of 2008. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I've read uh, more than one book on it, um, yep. including The Big Short and even saw the movie. And uh, it's all an enigma to me, I tell you. <laughs> I and, and I hope it's an enigma that I never have to deal with again. <laughs> I was just going to talk about The Big Short. Um, it's, it was very accurate. I mean, it was clearly it was written well by Michael Lewis, um, but it really shows how there was no risk management. It was it was an industry that was built on greed um, because the bankers and the traders of the time are getting paid exorbitant amounts of money just to 
you know, sell these deals to anybody who would buy them or, or make these, you know, trades that they really didn't understand, that the traders didn't understand. Um, and that was really the, the backdrop of the crisis. It was just way too much risk, way too much greed, um, vehicles that just didn't make any sense in any environment, if you ask me. Um, so I think that that was a, that was a fantastic book, and especially for someone who's not in the industry, you can kind of understand what was going on. Yeah. So uh, let's move on here. We, we could talk about that all day here. So tell us about your tactical credit fund and basically how it works. Sure. So the tactical credit fund um, is a fund that is uh, clearly a, a fund that is focused in the credit markets. Um, it's it's a little different than a, a typical credit fund, whether it be a high-yield fund or an investment-grade fund, what have you, it's, it's based off of four asset buckets. So typically high-yield, bank debt, convertible bonds, and investment-grade bonds. And we're able to do that because of the extensive backgrounds that both myself and Chris have had over our careers, where we've not just been siloed into one different, you know, call it high-yield. So the, the tactical part of it is, let's say high-yield is doing really well, we're going to you know, place our bets in high yields. Let's say high yields out of favor and convertible bonds are, are very, very interesting. We're going to buy convertible bonds. So we can move around the, the typical asset buckets, which a, a traditional manager can't do. So that, that's one part of the strategy. Um, the, the strategies also run long short. So it's not just a long only passive vehicle. Um, it's traditionally been, you know, highly focused in the high yield space. And when we say high yield, uh, we think about two different buckets. We think about a short duration bucket in a longer duration bucket. The short duration bucket are bonds that we believe have durations of zero to three years, whether there's an actual maturity or it's a yield to call or it's a callable instrument. And these are typically instruments that were issued five, six years ago where we were coming out of the last credit crisis. Coupons and spreads are very, very high. So the rates of return on these securities, even though they can't really move up in price, the current yield you receive on them is significant. So if you look at our portfolio, it, that's really the ballast of what we think in terms of, of high yield, because we can get these current yields, um, significant you know cash flows for the portfolio, and also at the same time eliminating mark-to-market volatility because they can't really move too much because they're they're short duration, and they don't really have too much interest rate risk because if you think about it, the tenure the tenure curve is not going to really impact a, a one-year bond. So that's that's the bulk of our book. The other part of the high yield space. Is going to be seven to ten year longer duration bonds, which exhibit significant mark to market volatility, uh, which will sell off or do very well depending on market conditions. Now, what we like to do here is we focus on certain names and certain credits. So, if the market sells off, there's a lot of volatility. We'll sell the short duration bond and buy the longer duration bond in the same capital structure, which has been now down five to seven points. Wait for you know volatility to subside. And then we'll shift back from the, the, the longer duration part of, of the, the capital structure into the shorter duration. And that's the real tactical nature. We're, we're moving around the, tactical, the, the, the capital structures very, very frequently. So if you look at our portfolio turnover, it's called about 250% a year. We do this trade all the time. It's, it's what we call the rotational trade over here. Um, so that's generally the ballast of, of our high-yield exposure. What's a little bit different, and I just want to dial down into this, and then I'll, I'll talk about the, the shorting. We're very focused in certain sectors. Um, we're not an index type of vehicle. And we're very good at certain sectors where we think we are. Um, industrials, services, aerospace and defense, telecommunications, healthcare. Um, industries that exhibit very cynical characteristics. So when the economy is moving around, 
revenues don't generally deviate more than 5%. Uh, free cash flows are generally 5% of total debt. These companies have real assets on the balance sheet. So if our fundamental analysis is wrong and, and the company's going into trouble, the bonds have recovery value or they're going to hold the price better because they, they have tangible assets that are, are due to you as a bondholder. Um, generally, the, the capital structures are very, very clean. So these are what we really like and are, are really the focus of our fund. So I'll think about 100, 100 different names with maybe five to seven different bonds in their capital structure, or we can do this rotational trade depending on what the market conditions provide us. Um, bank debt, clearly, it's, it's a high-yield instrument. Um, we, we have not really been too long bank debt. Uh, we just don't think the value is there. It's generally the same companies where we're buying the bonds, uh, but the yields are much lower. And basically, covenants have become very, very poor in this space. So it's not really a, it's not really a loan or a senior secured vehicle, if you will. It's more like a bond. So we, we find the value in, in the, the bond part of the market. And then finally, on, on the convertible and investment grade side, um, this is where we look uh, more for our shorts um, or what we want to short, uh, given the, the lower coupons than a typical high-yield security, um, the fact that um, you can short an investment grade bond and it has a lot of interest rate risk. And if, guess what? If there's a credit downgrade or, you know, an activist situation, uh, the spreads are going to, are going to move out quite quickly. Um, so it's a very asymmetric type of trade. So that's, that's really the way we think about it. It's simple. It's repeatable. Um, it's no black box. It's, it's based on a, a macro viewpoint, what we think is going on in the world of risk. And then we couple that with the fundamental analysis. There's two final points about the portfolio, or three final points that I think they're very important. We try to not buy any distressed securities because liquidity is paramount to this strategy because, again, we have to rotate between the different parts of the, of the capital structure. And distressed securities um, become very illiquid um, when the market's going up or when the market's going down. So we try to stay away from that. Second, we try to stay away from bonds that are generally held in the, the JNK or HYG ETFs because of the ETFs have a significant amount of volatility depending on market conditions. So sometimes you can't even sell a bond if you want to because the ETFs are just selling indiscriminately and they're moving bonds down four, five, six points um, and it creates a lot of volatility in your portfolio. So we try to find the bond in the same company that's not in the ETF but is, you know, it has an ETF type of security. Not to say we can't buy the ETF and play technicals, we can do that, um, but we try to stay away from that. And third and finally, I think the, the most important thing with our strategy and, and why we've been successful doing what we've been doing is our risk management. Uh, I think Chris and I do a fantastic job managing risk. Um, you know, we're not closet indexers, like I said, so we're not a, a big asset management firm where all of their competitors own the same bonds and they're down 50 points and they don't really care because everyone's market weight and it's, everyone's returns are relative. Um, that's not the way we think about it. We're quick to cut risk. So, for example, if we have a bond that's down 20 basis points on the portfolio, uh, we'll, we'll throw 50% of it out, 50%, 50 basis points, and it's completely gone from the portfolio. So I think those are the, the, the important facets of what we do and what we try to do, and um, I think that's what kind of separates us from, from a typical credit manager, if you will. So, John, here's a question. Um, for uh, some period of time, Barron's Magazine, which I've read uh, religiously for you know decades, uh, they would interview a particular very successful high-level investment advisor. Uh, 
and uh, put, a, put a one page uh, uh, summary of that interview in the magazine. And they would show that that investment advisor who was managing hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, some huge amounts. And uh, they would ask them, OK, what do what do your typical clients own? Well, on the equity side, typically the article talked a lot about the equity side, but they would typically talk very little about the credit side. And most of the um, advisors were not at all original or out of the box in any way on the credit side. So I, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything new here that advisors and I'm sure investors know much more about and get more excited about the equity side than the credit side. So what do you see being on the inside, being Mr. Credit here, what do you see as misperceptions of the credit industry or, or credit investing that so many investors and advisors are missing? I think the, the misperception, if you will, um, is that bonds are, are very boring. Um, there's really no way to make, uh, you know, real returns um, in, in certain parts of the, the credit markets. Um, you know, it's not on CNBC, uh, you know, when no one talks about yeah. high yield you know, that's that's a problem in terms of getting out the story. Um, I, I think people don't understand the inherent risk of just buying a boring book of investment grade bonds. Um, you know, there's significant investment grade risk. Um, there's really not a lot, of, a lot of price appreciation. And it's, you know, not doesn't have the word Amazon attached to it. Um, a lot of times these are, are really kind of small, you know, companies that ha don't even have public equity. Um, but these are these are names that in, in periods of volatility, you can make, first off, significant returns, which I think advisors, it, does, it kind of sometimes passes them by or retail investors. And, and two, you know, you can move around to different parts of the credit markets, whereas the equity market is the equity market. It's just, it's just one market. I mean, the credit market is, is, is dynamic. It's not just one, you know, boring, stable place. There's high yield, there's bank debt, there's investment grade, there's emerging market debt, there's distressed there's just a lot different, you know, different kind of stuff that you can do that I just don't think the story gets out there. And I think if we, if we can get that out there, it would get people more, more excited. And I also think the typical, you know, 60, 40, you know, kind of investment philosophy that, that everyone kind of seems to espouse. It's, it's, yeah, you need to have equities clearly and you need to have fixed income clearly, but having that 40% in bonds, just regular investment grade passive vehicles doesn't make any sense. You got to have like you know ten to twenty percent in, in alternatives like the tactical credit fund, where there's real rooms for for making alpha. When so sort of like when that equity market's selling off, we can make a lot of money in bonds, uh, or you know vice versa. When just the passive market is is fine, we can you know lower our alternatives exposure. So I, I just think getting the story out is it's hard clearly, um, and I think you know losing the perception that bonds are just you know you can't lose money. It's not there's nothing to do. I think that's the, the the real the real problem. Hey, I really appreciate that answer. And uh, again, uh, three hundred plus interviews here. We really haven't had that kind of input. And uh, you know, uh, investors and advisors you know, typically just kind of skip over that that whole area of uh, of credit. And uh, it is deep, and it is wide, and it is interesting. Uh, but uh, somehow, like you say, the story has not gotten out there. Okay, change the subject a little bit. What would you say, John, is the best advice you've ever heard, read, or received about investing? I would say the best advice I ever got from investing 
uh, was from one of my old mentors um, at, at the hedge fund. Um, and he said, the best way to, to make money is to not lose money. And uh, I'll always remember him saying that because, you know, the markets were, were very, very volatile at the, you know, the time. I think that was, you know, 2009, 2010. And, you know, high yield was moving around quite a bit. Clearly, equities were moving around. Um, but I kind of think that really bestowed upon me the, the, the real risk management philosophy of the tactical credit fund. Um, because, you know, if you look at how some typical managers run their portfolios, clearly there's the passive, you know, investment group that, you know, they don't really care because they're, they're benchmarked to all their peers. But then there's, there's managers who take really outsized risks, um, you know, if they're in a really bad position, they double down or they're, you know, they, they fail to, to, you know, realize the risk of the position in the overall portfolio. Um, and I think that's, that's really the key to, to, to making money is just not losing money. So, you know what? Sell the position first, and then you can always buy it back. But but you know, mitigate the downside and and don't you know just don't you know I guess kind of a slang, but like gunsling it if you will. Um, and I think that's that's the key to success. Uh, so that was that was the best piece of advice I think I've ever gotten. Hey, appreciate it. So I presume that uh, clients of the mm-hmm. uh, Tactical uh, Credit Fund are retail investors, advisors, family offices, institutions, etc. Who are you guys really focused on? And um, uh, why do you think they invest with you? Yeah, I would say the, the, the t- typical person we try to focus on is, uh, you know, retail, family offices, and, and you know, investment advisors. Um, I think, you know, retail investors maybe are kind of circling up because the performance is good. It's a five-star fund. It's, you know, okay, I'm just going to buy it because it's, it's a safe, you know, safe bet, if you will. But I think, you know, in, in the advisors and the family offices, um, I think you get some really sharp people that, that understand, you know, some smaller managers like we are, we're still, we're a you know, $50 million fund. They provide a lot of alpha versus, you know, a, a typical, you know, I'm not going to name a name, but a, a large, you know, trillion-dollar asset manager where if you can find these guys, like such as ourselves, you can really do quite well for yourself. So I think that's why they kind of gravitate to us. And, you know, their portfolios aren't, you know, billions of dollars. They, you know, they run $100 million, and a million-dollar allocation to someone like us is meaningful for them, and it can generate real returns for them. So I think that's why they gravitate, gravitate towards a portfolio like ours. Okay, and, and, and that all makes sense. So tell us, John, a question we like to ask all of our guests, what keeps you awake at night? Now, I know that uh, you played tennis in college at uh, Trinity College. You now have a three-year-old, so she probably contributes to that. Uh, so what keeps you awake at night? Yeah, I mean, for me, there's two things that um, I get, you know, I'm worried about. Um, one, on the, on the micro side or the fundamental side, um, did, you know, Chris and myself do the correct credit underwriting and, and buy the, the securities that, that make sense in the portfolio, one, but two, from a fundamental perspective, they're, they're not going to explode in us in default or have a financial fraud, something like that. That's, that's you know, more on the, the micro. On the macro, uh, really, it's, 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 it's an exogenous event that keeps me up at night. Um, so when I'm thinking... You know, war with North Korea breaks out or, you know, there's some sort of um, tangible illness that comes out of, you know, like Ebola and it, it spreads, something like that. That's that's really what you know, keeps me up. I'm not I'm not concerned right now about a banking crisis or, um, you know, the equity markets falling apart. It's, it's really an exogenous event, I think, on, on the macro side. 
Uh, you know, you're not the only one concerned about those things, John, believe me. So for those who would like to know more, uh, give us uh, contact information, website, etc. Sure. So our, our general website is uh, www.sheltoncap.com. That's our Spell our Shelton, will you? Sure. S-H-E-L-T-O-N-C-A-P.com. We'll list all the funds that we run and, you know, our strategies and, and, you know, general news about the firm and all that. So everyone can see what's going on the, on the overall portfolio or overall business. And then, you know, on a, on a daily basis, it's going to be myself and Chris Walsh are definitely the points of contact here. Um, so my name is spelled J-H-A-R-N-I-S-C-H. That's also at sheltoncap.com. And then Chris is C. Walsh at sheltoncap.com. Okay. Well, uh, John, we really appreciate uh, your sharing a few minutes with us here. We offer our best wishes for your continued success uh, together with Shelton Capital. Give us final words, will you? Sure. Um, I would say just, you know, to put everything in perspective, fundamentals are probably the strongest I've seen um, in, in, you know, five, six years the macro backdrop is, is fantastic. Um, you know, whether you, you like it or not, the tax cuts are, are, are working. Um, you know, people's balance sheets are getting better. Corporations are healthy. Credit markets are open. Um, it's just putting all that together and packaging it into one. It's it's a real recipe for success and, and continued market strength. Um, so it's it's that. And, and a lot of the systemic risks have, have really been removed from the system, which, again, goes back into this, the good fundamentals and, and macro backdrop. So in conclusion, I think while we've had a strong bull market for the last few years, I don't really foresee this changing uh, anytime soon unless, again, we have one of these exogenous events or, or something that's just unforeseeable. But um, we feel very strongly about you know how our position, where the market is. John, we're out of time, but I just realized I missed a question that I wanted to ask you. So if you can give a, a brief answer, we'd appreciate it. The inverted yield curve. We read all the time about the inverted yield curve is going to be the canary in the gold mine and in, in the coal mine here about um, uh, if we're going to have a recession. Uh, you're dealing with yield curves uh, all the time. Your quick assessment of, of that position. Yeah, so the difference in the, you know, the, the tens and thirties right now is about, what, 20 basis points. So it is, you know, the, the, the curve has flattened. Um, I don't know if that's a real sense of, um, you know, a recession, you know, coming down the pike. Um, I think people are, are looking in the bond market for, for more yield. Um, and that's generally what, what causes an inverted yield curve. So, no, I don't. I don't foresee the, the curve inverting. I mean, I think the last time we did inversion was in 2000 with the tech bubble, but that that was a portent of of what was to come. But it, it does not keep me up at night, and um, I, I don't think it's it's really something to to get to too worked up about. That's that's kind of my my thought process there. Hey, when I take my nap this afternoon, I'll sleep better here, John. Thank you very much. <laughs> you I go. really appreciate it. Hey, well, again, uh, John Harnish, uh, CFA Portfolio Manager for Shelton Capital Management, specifically. For for the Tactical Credit Fund. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we hope things continue to go well for you. Thank you very much. 
Again, you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio, John Harney, CFA, Portfolio Manager for Shelton Capital Management. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com, and you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 